Good morning. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors of the church. It looks like Sean is gathering uh, kids' church folks. So if that's you, now would be a good time to go follow the crowd to kids' church. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're going to be this morning. Hebrews chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, I would encourage you to uh, grab. There should be a hard cover black Bible somewhere nearby, probably under a seat nearby. Um, the thinner of the two books you might see on those shelves. Uh, so I encourage you to grab one of those Hebrews chapter 11. There's a table of contents in the beginning of almost every Bible you would pick up. Uh, so if you are unfamiliar navigating your way through the Scriptures, Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're going to be. And I want to start by reading the last verse of Hebrews chapter 10. We need to keep in mind that those big giant numbers on our pages, um, those were added about a thousand years after the uh, death of Jesus and the closing of the canon of Scripture. And so uh, the, the writer did not put those in there. And so it's good for us to, to see what's happening as he launches into Hebrews chapter 11. So Hebrews chapter 10 ends like this. He says, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So my question for you this morning is, which those are you a part of? Which those are you a part of? Right? Is we're, we're in that season of the year that we're starting to kind of put 2022 into perspective. Uh, we're trying to think, okay, what, what kind of life have I lived in 2022? Uh, I'm looking forward to 2023. What type of life do I want to live there? I, I would just encourage you to ask this question in this season. Which those am I a part of? Am I of those who shrink back? Or am I of those who have faith? The Bible's clear in this verse. Those who shrink back will be destroyed. And those who have faith will preserve their souls. That makes this question of utmost importance. It's the most important question you will ask for the remaining few days of 2022. It is the most important question that you could ask in 2023. And so despite, it is the most important question you could ask for the rest of your lives. So despite it sounding a bit odd, which those are you a part of, it is a monumentally important question. Which those are you a part of? Those who shrink back and will be destroyed? Or those who have faith and preserve their souls? The call for us this morning from all of Hebrews chapter 11 and the first two verses of Hebrews chapter 12, the call, the exhortation for us this morning is this. Press forward in faith for the joy set before you. Press forward in faith for the joy set before you. See, if you feel that... Uh, forward movements of faith as we read. Uh, I would encourage you, and actually for this passage, I'm, I'm going to ask us all to stand uh, for the reading of this passage. Uh, this book of Hebrews is an exhortation. Uh, this particular passage of Scripture, I believe, is a very invigorating passage. It's a passage that should be propelling us to action, so let's stand for this one, starting at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through faith, he, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. 
And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she, was, she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and who had received the promise, was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him back from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than all the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to fights. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. 
They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided them something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for this beautiful picture of Your Word that shows us the power of faith in You. Lord, Our prayer this morning is that we would not be of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we would be of those who have faith and preserve our souls. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. Again, our charge this morning is to press forward in faith for the joy of sets before you. Press forward in faith for the joy set before you. This passage is a powerful exhortation to walk forward in faith. So we're going to see the way we're going to organize this. First, we're going to see that faith faith is defined. So it's kind of like a a number zero if you're taking notes. And then we're going to see three big characteristics of faith. So if you're looking for faith in your life, You're trying to examine your life. Do I have faith like the Bible describes faith? We're going to see three really big characteristics. And I'll warn you ahead of time, each of those three have lots of subpoints. Okay, So we're going to cruise through pretty quickly. Uh, I know some of you are note takers and you want your outline to look exactly like my outline. Let me encourage you instead to take special note of the ones that the Holy Spirit prompts your heart and says, Hey... That one's for you. That one's for you. So instead of trying to write down all 12-ish or so that there are, all these characteristics of faith, I would encourage you to make sure you write down the ones that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning. If you've never taken notes, I would encourage you to pull out a scrap piece of paper or pull up a note on your phone, maybe turn off all your notifications and stuff, and write down a couple of these characteristics of faith that you need to think about this week and in the week's ahead. So first, before we get on to the characteristics of faith, we must see that faith is defined. Faith is defined. You may hear people out in the world, you may hear people in our society, you may have even done this, talk about faith in this really like vague, nebulous, non-specific way, right? Oh, you got to have faith. You've got to move forward in faith. Are you a person of faith? I'm a person of faith. But we never go on to describe what faith actually is. Well, we must not do that. Because it's defined here in the Scriptures in chapter 11 and verse 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Now, I'm sure we have all hoped for things. And I'm sure we have all become convinced convinced about the things that we used to hope for. But typically what happens is we become convinced about a thing that we have hoped for when that thing comes to fruition. So if you wanted, you hoped for being on that athletic team. You came convinced that that was going to happen when your name was on the list of people that made the team. Or if you were like me, you went and you saw the list and you're like, I didn't make the team. Okay. Right? And so it, was, it came to be. Or maybe you hoped for being promoted. Right? And, and you looked, and when the list came out, you're looking for your name. Ah, oh, there's my name. 
There's my name. So I am on the team. So when you saw it, maybe you were told that, hey, there's going to be a bonus this year, like a Christmas bonus or an end of the year bonus or whatever. And you're like, oh, yeah, 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 okay. I hope for that. That'd be cool. A little bit of extra money. But you didn't really become convinced of it until you saw it hit your bank account, right? Or you saw a check in your hands, right? So we've all hoped for things and we've come to realize that it is true. But just so you know, those things I just described, that's, that's not faith. That's just seeing something with your eyes and with your hands. You can see it and you can touch it. Faith is that same type of experience before you see it. That same experience before you see it. The assurance, the confidence of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We must understand that faith is defined. But a definition is only so helpful, is it not? That's interesting. We, We don't all sit around and read dictionaries for a hobby. I hope you don't. Right? You have a pretty boring life, uh, if you do. Um, we don't do that, right? But we might read biographies. We might watch documentaries about people's lives. Right? And so what we have here in Hebrews chapter 11 is this beautiful picture of all these saints of the Old Testament and all these moments of faith that God led them to and through. Sometimes it's called the Hall of Faith. I just prefer to call it what the author calls it in chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2. He calls them a cloud of witnesses, right? There's all these people, all these witnesses that have gone before us, and we see all these characteristics of faith. So if you're looking for faith in your life and want to point to it, we have all these characteristics of faith. So the first big one, I got big ones and little ones, and so first big one, faith moves forward to our new home with God. Faith moves forward to our new home with God. This is in chapter 11, verses 2 through 16. Chapter 11, verses 2 through 16. So whatever's happening with faith, faith is always moving forward. Faith is always looking forward to something, and it's specifically looking forward to our new home with God. It's going to be summarized at the end of this section. But I want you to see a couple of other aspects, a couple other characteristics of faith that we see along the way. First, first we see that faith aims to please God. Faith aims to please God. We learn this from Abel and Enoch. Abel and Enoch. These are from very early on in the Bible, from the first five chapters of your Bible in Genesis. We see about these men, Abel and Enoch. And what did they do? They live lives to please God. Notice verse 6, chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him, God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. So if you're looking for faith in your life, are you you aiming to live your life to please God and trusting that God will reward that faithfulness? Is that how you're living your life? Or are you living your life for comforts? Or are you living your life to get as rich as you possibly can? Or are you living your life to advance as far in your vocation as you possibly can? What is it that you're aiming your life for? The life of faith aims to please God, to spend eternity with God, and we trust that God rewards those who live a life aiming to please Him. So faith aims to please God. Second, faith saves us from destruction. Faith saves us from destruction. We learn this from Noah. You could go and read this in Genesis chapter 6. Noah, the Lord, saw in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, we read this, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his, mankind's, hearts was only evil continually. 
You talk about a condemnation of the entire planet in one sentence. The thoughts and intentions of the heart of all of mankind was only evil continually. And so God went to a man who he found favor with. That's an unmerited favor. And he looks at Noah. He says, no, I'm going to destroy the earth. Mankind is wicked. I've seen the wickedness of the earth. And I'm going to destroy the earth. We don't see exactly how Noah responds to that initially. If it were me, I'd be like, you got a second promise. I would love to hear a second promise. I believe that one. I believe you. You're God. I'm not. I believe you. You have a second promise. God did. God said, you're going to build an ark. I'm going to save you and all your family in the ark. Noah, verse 7, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark, giant boats, for saving his household. Noah's faith saved him from destruction. The same is true for us today. The Bible's crystal clear. One just really crystal clear place that it tells us is in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. It says the wages of sin is death. So every single person who has ever lived on this earth who has sinned, who has failed to perfectly uphold the righteous decrees and laws and commandments of God, everyone who has sinned, what they have earned for themselves, the wages for themselves, is eternal death. Again, if you've heard that, if you're hearing that now, I I would encourage you to say, "I, I believe that promise. I believe that what I have done, my sins against an almighty God, deserve my eternal death. Now, Lord, would you give me a second promise? Would you give me a second promise? And the second promise is in the same verse in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So if we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we are saved from destruction. There are many times in the New Testament that this picture of Noah is given for salvation. We trust in Jesus Christ and faith saves us from destruction. If you would like to know more about uh, that good news and how you can be saved from destruction, I usually hang out up here. Any of the pastors uh, that are here today, I think we're all here today. Praise God. Man, that doesn't happen all the time. We're a We're a group that runs around, but we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to walk through that with you. I'm sure you'll have more questions. This faith saves us from destruction. Number three, this is a sub point three under number one. It's okay. We're going to get there. Faith moves into the unknown. Faith moves into the unknown. We see this in the life of Abraham. Notice Verse 8, chapter 11, verse 8. eight. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Praise God. That is faith. That we move forward into the unknown. So many of us, we, we say, okay, Lord, I, I think I know what you're calling me to, but I, I need you to go ahead and Map it out, right? So if we were Abraham, God says, I need you to leave everything you have ever known. You could read about this in Genesis chapter 12. I need you to leave everything you have ever known, and I want you to go to a land that I will show you. And we start to have a conversation with God, right? We start to say, what land are you going to take me to? Just where is it? Silence from God. He told you. He's going to lead you to a place that he will show you. Could you give me a general region of where it is? Silence from God. Could you tell me when exactly you're going to show me this land? Silence. Maybe if you could like tell me how you're going to show me. Like, is there going to be some sign? Is there like how's this going to work out? That's not faith. 
faith is moving towards the unknown. Maybe we would do well next time somebody says, hey, where do you see yourself in five years? You know, I really don't know. I'm trying to live this life of faith. And that means that I have no clue what my life's going to look like five years from now. No clue. God doesn't promise me tomorrow. I'm just going to go with today. That is all I got. Faith moves into the unknown. Number four, faith believes the impossible. Notice what we see about Sarah starting in chapter 11, verse 11. Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age. Right? So you could learn about this in Genesis as well. Abraham and Sarah were promised an offspring. And God promised them an offspring that he was going to be the seed of the promise. And Abraham and Sarah, very, 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 very old in age, conceive a son. You may say, how old? The writer of Hebrews is not kind to our brother Abraham. Notice what he says in verse 12. Our brother was as good as dead. All right? So, I got you. If you're referring to an older saint, maybe don't use that one, right? Like you're talking to somebody, be like, oh, you know that brother. Uh, he, man, he's, he's old. He's as good as dead. Like, let's not do that to describe one another, right? But Sarah received power to conceive what was, from a human perspective, impossible. It was impossible. So often, again, we, we believe God's calling us to something. We're, we're reading something in the Scriptures and we're compelled like, I need to, I feel like God's calling me to do this thing. And then we say, eh, but that's impossible. Or maybe the first ter- person we go talk to about it says, yeah, but that's impossible. And so we stop. So we shrink back. Just remember, it is those who shrink back who are destroyed. Faith believes that the impossible can happen through God. Faith believes the impossible. Faith moves forward. It moves forward to our new home with God. Read with me this summary paragraph at the end of this big section here, starting in verse 13. These, all the ones we just read about, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. Faith moves forward to our new home with God. Notice what it said there. God is not ashamed to be called their God. Wouldn't you love for that to be true of you? That God is... Your God, He's not ashamed to be called your God. At the end of your life, that God would look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. What will that take? What will it take for such a thing to happen? Well, it's not found in shrinking back. It's not found in cowardice. It is found by moving forward in Okay, you said, moving forward, I think I'm getting it. So it's forward, moving forward to life with God, moving forward in a life that pleases God, impossible doesn't matter, I don't know doesn't matter, I got it. Yeah. So what am I supposed to do between now and then? Maybe, maybe I just kind of hang out, maybe I just kind of start shuffling forward, right? Maybe I'm just going to be on the sidelines of the Christian faith. No, 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 what we see is second big Second big characteristic of faith. In chapter 11, verses 17 through 40, faith embraces the testing of this life. Faith embraces the testing 
of this life. This life is called a lot of things in the Bible. It's called a mist. It's called a vapor. It's called a fleeting shadow. right? Showing us the temporary nature of this life. But also, this life is called a test. right? That there is testing of this life. Well, what types of tests of our faith can we expect in this life? The first test, the test to defy logic. The test to defy logic. We see again, uh, the author takes us again to Abraham. This time, starting in verse 17, this son, this son that he had when he was as good as dead, that guy, the son of the promise, his only son, that son, God calls him to sacrifice him on an altar. And Abraham had to move forward in faith with that test and move forward trusting that either God was going to create an opportunity, last minute opportunity for things to change, or that God was going to resurrect Isaac from the dead. Either way, Abraham was going to move forward in faith. So he believes what the writer of Hebrew tells us, that he believes that God was able to resurrect Isaac from the dead. Thankfully, if you go back and read the story in the book of Genesis, Uh, It did not have to come to that. God instead at the last moment provided a substitutionary sacrifice for worship of God. A substitutionary sacrifice. But we have to understand that in the moment for Abraham, nothing about what God was telling him made any sense at all. There was no logical sense about what God was calling. You brought me through all that. You brought me to have a son of the promise in my old age. Now he's 12 years old and you want me to sacrifice him? Doesn't make any sense. Have you had any of these conversations with God? God, what what you're calling me to doesn't make any sense. I can't wrap my logical, western, organized brain around it, Lord. doesn't make any sense. Well, the test of faith is a test to defy logic. Now, I will say logic and faith are not complete enemies of one another. Often, our logic helps us in our faith in Christ. But understand, logic does not rule the day. Logic does not rule the day. There will be times that you are asked to step out in faith in ways that make no earthly sense. There is a test to defy logic. Second test, the test to defy the king. The test to defy the king. Notice verse 23. Moses' parents, there is an edict from the king, the pharaoh of Egypt that all male children would be destroyed. They would be exposed. And Moses' parents decided that they would hide Moses. And he tells us exactly why they did such a thing at the end of verse 23. Why did Moses' parents hide Moses? Because they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, just so you know, this one, some of you are going to find this one at every turn. All right? You're going to walk into work on Monday, and you're going to be defying the king's edict. Right? And then you're going to say, well, Brian preached about this on Sunday. I even got a verse for it. Hebrews 11, 23. Praise God, I'm walking in faith, defying the king's edict. Not so fast. Lots of other passages about obeying the emperor, obeying all earthly authorities, obeying all human institutions. 1 Peter chapter 2, Romans chapter 13, just to get you started on that topic. And yet there are times that the king, the human authorities, the human institutions are going to command you to sin against Almighty God. And you must not be afraid of their edict. You must not be afraid of the king's edict. I believe there's most likely coming a day, maybe in my lifetime, maybe in your lifetime, maybe in the lifetime of the youngest in the room right now, maybe in the lifetime of the oldest in the room right now. I really don't know. But it seems to me that that there's very likely coming a day where it will be illegal 
to do what we're doing right now. Here in North Carolina. Here in the U.S. of A. question is, are you going to obey the king's edict? Sometimes the test is to defy the king. Number three, this one's probably a little closer to home for us in our affluent culture. Number three, the test to reject the fleeting pleasures of this life. The test to reject the fleeting pleasures of this life. Notice what Moses did. We just looked at Moses' parents, but notice what Moses did in verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Moses had a choice before him. He saw the fleeting pleasures of sin. He saw all the treasures of Egypt, one of the richest countries in the world at the time. Fleeting pleasures of sin, the earthly treasures of Egypt. He saw the mistreatment of the people of God. Here he also brings in the reproach of Christ himself. And he says that Moses chose the mistreatment with the people of God, the reproach of Christ, instead of the fleeting pleasures of sin and the fleeting pleasures of the treasures of this life. I would argue that every single one of us is in the midst of this test every day of our lives in this affluent, comfortable, enlightened culture in which we live. Sin is so available to us. Worldly treasure and possession is so available to us. We are to choose to be mistreated with the people of God. We are to choose the greater wealth of the reproach of Christ than all the treasures of this world. I want you to notice what I said for this section. I said faith embraces the testing of this life. I use that word embraces intentionally. Uh, intentionally. We embrace it. We move towards it. Right? We don't just endure the tests of this life. We don't just like grit our teeth and just try to do our best. No, we actually embrace the testing of this life. I want you to see the summary that he gives for us in this section you may ask what does faith like this accomplish what does faith like this accomplish verse 33 through faith these people conquered kingdoms enforced justice obtained obtained promises stopped the mouths of lions quenched the power of fire escaped the edge of the sword were made strong out of weakness became mighty in war put foreign armies to flight women received back their dead by resurrection that's a lot of things and i don't think he's trying to be exhaustive here this is what faith can accomplish we just had some fancy new signs put up here and this one over here talks about things that we value as a church family the first one on there we want to be a people who value bold faith and what can be accomplished if we have bold faith these types of things can happen in our midst and through us bold faith what's it going to cost pick it up where i stopped some were tortured refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts, and mountains, and in dens, and caves of the earth. 
faith can accomplish much, and yet faith is also going to cost us much in this life. Faith embraces the testing of this life. The New Testament writer James talks about this same concept in this way. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. He says, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Remember the main exhortation for us this morning, press forward in faith for the joy set before us. Christians are not supposed to be those who are uh, of begrudged obedience all the time. We're not just biting our lip and just doing the best we can. We should be walking in joy and walking towards joy even as we're enduring these things. So I have to ask you, what, ask you, what tests is the Lord bringing into your life currently? What tests is the Lord bringing into your life currently? I would encourage you to write them down. Just write them down. One sentence, write it down. I've got some you can try on to get you started. You may not be used to writing down in a journal. This is how I'm being tested, so I'll give you a few to try on. I am being tested to see if I will value my career over faithfulness to God. I'm sure some of you are in that test right now. I'm being tested to see if I will value my career over faithfulness to God. Others of you... I am being tested to see if I will value what my friends think over what God thinks. If I will value what my friends think over what God thinks. I use the word friends there very loosely, just so you know. Another test, potentially, I am being tested to see if I will value treasure on earth or treasure in heaven. I'm sure most of us struggle with this on a regular basis. I'm being tested to see if I will value treasure on earth or treasure in heaven. You could replace that one, value position on earth, power on earth versus position in heaven. One of the, the psalmist writes that I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my Lord than live in tents elsewhere. So what is it for you? What is the testing that the Lord is bringing you through now? Write it down. Look at it. And then walk in faith. The Apostle Paul tells us what walking in faith looks like. He says, looking not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Because the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Look to the things that are unseen, not to the things that are seen. The third big characteristic of faith that we see in the first two verses of chapter 12, which have really helped me to read all of chapter 11 the way that I have and to preach it the way that I have. Chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, faith looks to Jesus. Faith looks to Jesus. Read with me again chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Faith looks to Jesus. The people that the author of Hebrews was writing to were Hebrew Christians. They were Jewish Christians. And they were about to quit the faith. They were about to quit. They were replacing genuine faith in Christ with a legalistic, going through the motions, return to Second Temple Judaism. Right? So they were trading genuine faith in Christ for going through the motions of the Jewish faith of that time. He says, don't do that. There's witnesses of what faith looks like. You need to walk in faith. The same is true for us. Faith looks to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Again, what about you? 
I imagine many of you are at the same point of decision that many of those that the author of Hebrews was writing to. You're at the point of decision. Am I going to be of those who shrink back and are destroyed? Or am I going to be of those who have faith and preserve their souls? So what shall you do in response if you desire to be those who have faith and preserve their souls? Four things. Number one, lay aside every weight and sin. Lay aside every weight and sin. Notice what he says there in verse chapter 12, verse 1. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. What is that for you? What weight is there? I need to understand everything. I need to know everything. That's a weight. No, you don't. You need to know God. Or, I really need position and power. I need people to think I'm important. No, you don't. You need to know God. You may have a sin. Different uh, a sin. Maybe it's alcoholism. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's other sexual sins. Maybe you're just a perpetual liar. And you just tell people half-truths all day long. You need to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Secondly, run the race with endurance. Run the race with endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You see, the Christian life is usually not a short life. The Christian life is usually not a short life. Deathbed conversions are certainly things that happen, uh, but they're not quite as common as you might think. The Christian life is usually a lengthy life. Christian life is usually not the easiest life in the world. There's a lot of sacrifice. There's a lot of doing things that your flesh would prefer not to do. There's a lot of not doing things that your flesh would prefer to do. So we must run the race that is set before us with endurance. Run to the end. One thing we know about Christians is we are those who endure to the end. We endure to the end. Keep going. You're like, it's been a hard year. Keep going. It's been a hard couple of years. Keep going. It's been a hard decade. Keep going. It's been a hard life. Keep going going. There's a better country. There's a heavenly home with God and His people forever. Keep going all the way to the end. We just talked about this in men's breakfast yesterday. Run in such a way as to receive the prize. Run with endurance the race that is set before you. Number three, look to Jesus, the founder of your faith. Look to Jesus, the founder of your faith. I'll spoil the surprise for you. If you go and research all of these people in the hall of faith, these cloud of witnesses, you're going to find that they're not perfect. You're like, wow, really? This guy made it in the hall of faith? That's crazy. They're not perfect. And honestly, that's part of the problem. See, we are in broken fellowship with God. Ever since Genesis chapter 3 and the first man and the first woman sinned against God, we have broken fellowship with God. And we need someone to live a perfect life of faith from beginning to end. Perfect life of faith from beginning to end. That's what God requires. And so what we need is we need somebody, it's not in the whole of faith, We need somebody to live a perfect life of faith. And we need that somebody to be powerful enough that that perfect life of faith can count for us. That's what we have in Jesus Christ. That's why He's the founder of our faith. He's the foundation of our faith. He's the beginning of our faith. That we trust in Jesus Christ that He lived a perfect life of faith and that His perfect life of faith can count for us. And so we must place our faith in Jesus Christ. Again, if you would love to learn more about that or you believe that you are uh, ready to place your faith in Christ, I'd love to talk to you about that after 
the service. But it's not just there. Jesus is not just the founder of our faith. Fourth, Jesus, look to Jesus, the perfecter of our faith. The perfecter of our faith. Look to Jesus, the perfecter of our faith. Because as you start walking this life of faith, you're going to realize, wow, I've got a lot of work to do. I've got a lot of work to do to, to be as faithful as Jesus was. I have a lot of work to do just to be as faithful as Abraham or as Moses or as Sarah or as Jephthah or whoever else in the hall of faith. I've got a lot of work to do. Jesus is the one who teaches us and who sanctifies us to become more and more faithful as we go. As we look back over the Christian life, you should be more faithful and closer to Jesus today than you were a year ago. You should be more faithful and closer to Jesus today than you were five years ago or ten years ago. Jesus is the perfecter of our faith. Your faith is not perfect today. You need to look to Jesus to have your faith perfected over your life. Brothers and sisters, press forward in faith for the joy that is set before you. All together, all of us who do this, we will spend eternity in a new place with God. God as our God, not ashamed to be our God, and we as His people. That allows us to sing the song that we're going to sing here in a moment. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth, let everyone... Everyone from every tribe, tongue, nation, any type of person who would place their faith in Jesus Christ, let earth receive her King. Let heaven and nature sing. Let heaven and nature sing. Press forward in faith for the joy that is set before you. I love you guys. Let's pray. Lord, we are so prone to focus on the things of this world. We're so prone to want to have everything figured out. We're so prone to want to have the, the plan and the map mapped out for us. We're prone to shrink back. We're prone to cowardice. We're prone to cling to sin instead of laying it aside. We're prone to cling to the weights of this world instead of laying them aside. Lord, we ask for Your help. Help us to look to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Help us to run with endurance the race that is set before us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As the musicians come, we move to the time in our service where we respond to the preaching of God's Word. So I encourage you again, if the Spirit is showing you something that you need to do in response, man, write that down. Write it on your hand. Write it on your arm. Write it on your buddy's arm next to you. Just kidding. Write it on your own arm. Respond to what God is doing in your heart and in your life today. Uh, we're going to continue by singing songs.